This is Chat Dragon, a talk show and actual play podcast about sci-fi, fantasy, and the world's most beloved game of make-believe, Dungeons and Dragons. My name is Jared, and I'm your host. I am a newspaper reporter by day and a dungeon master by night. I decided to start this podcast for purely selfish reasons, and that is to have a reason to talk to interesting people about interesting topics all through the lens of D&D. Each episode, I talk to friends, family members, and tabletop role-playing creatives about this beloved hobby. The conversations are driven by dice, and the games driven by our imaginations. All right, good uh, evening, afternoon, morning, everyone. This is the Chat Dragon Podcast. Uh, This should be episode four, I think, at this point. Uh, I'm back again uh, with my cousin Jeff. Uh, this time we are not playing D&D, but we're going to talk a little bit about the game that we played together and you know, just kind of talk about some other stuff as well. So Jeff, uh, how did the game, how was it? How did you, uh, how was the D&D game this afternoon that we played? I thought it was a blast. Um, I'm sure the listener can tell that I am new to this kind of thing, but I, I really, I could see myself doing this more frequently and getting better at it. Like it, it's it it's fun, but it's you wonder like how much can I introduce during my turn, and what's up to the dungeon master? Like I don't want to steal the dungeon master's thunder. I'm always wondering like what elements can I introduce during my turn, and what's just up to the roll of the dice? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I know Trevor when he was on uh, said it kind of made him think differently too, because knowing that there was other people who were going to, I guess, have to deal with whatever gets decided right you know so you're you're you got you're doing the first flashback of this character so you've established some major backstory for him at this point so he's an improv comic or jester um a failed improv jester performer and he's a crappy werewolf hunter he's not very good at it is he yeah so um (laughs) just for the listener who maybe didn't listen to the last episode jeff uh was standing at a crossroads, not a crossroads, but like a fork in a road, um, supposedly waiting to fight some werewolves or hunt a werewolf, and instead was uh, jumped by some bandits. Uh, Jeff, do you want to kind of tell the listener who maybe wasn't didn't listen to the first episode we did together about what happened exactly? Just kind of do a recap. Yeah, so, so I, I introduced the fact that Marigold had murdered... An, an audience participant at an improv show. Um, and maybe that was, that marked the end of his improv career. And to make ends meet, he was taken on side jobs. One of which was to hunt down this werewolf in this, this crossroads in the dead of night. And after searching some bushes, he came across a young earnest farm boy and the two of them were jumped by bandits, and we learned that the bandits were sort of, um, sort of playing the role of werewolf. Uh, but at some point, a real wolf does attack everyone. Twist. That was a twist. Mm-hmm. What made you decide to go with the improv comic angle? Is it because you live in Second City? You live in Chicago, and improv's a big thing there I mean, or is it we are steeped, where did it come from we are steeped in that here in Chicago but when you sent me the character sheet 
this the 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 drawing I'm looking at looks like a clean shaven Jason Menzukis. So I thought improv, improv, <laughs> improv. Um, that's that's where my mind went. The the little token character had a beard, so maybe it was a a false beard or something. Exactly. Maybe he was still dressed dressed up for his improv. It was like phases of Menzukis. Like there, we got the clean shaven and the and the bearded, and I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't break away from that mode of thinking. <laughs> Speaking of Jason Manzukas, yeah. have you ever watched um, Amoeba Record Store? They do What's in My Bag. Are you familiar with this? I have, yeah. YouTube I've seen that. Thing. He goes deep. Have you seen his episode? Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah. He's got, he's got some pretty interesting choices, and apparently his background is in music, which... I would have never guessed because he's such a, yes. you know, talented uh, improv comedian. So I believe he was like a jazz fusion drummer or, or a jazz drummer, and yeah, he goes to the record store and he comes away with like Thai street music, which is fascinating to listen to. Um, I can't remember what else he had, but he, he, his music taste, his musical taste runs deep. Yeah, I I really like grew to appreciate that guy more after that episode i i mean there's i don't know i i always feel like that's a good youtube show like just Mm -hmm. you you find some gems on there you never would have found out about you know yes because in this i'm gonna sound like a geriatric millennial now but in this day and age um where spotify is feeding you an algorithm like here's what you like based on what you listen to. It's refreshing to watch someone walk through a physical record store and like pick out favorites and stumble upon things like we used to do. It's pretty cool. Absolutely. I, I talked about my talk to my son about, mm-hmm. you know, used to go to the store Javi. and it have yeah headphones and you put the headphones on and you'd listen to some random record and you would sometimes you would just buy a record because you're like oh it has a cool cover yeah and it's in the rock section yes you're like okay it's probably good and then it might suck yes you never know um one of the episodes of our podcast cruelty rewind that we did was harriet the spy the nickelodeon movie from the 90s i believe um and this soundtrack really hit us hard it it when i listened to the soundtrack it felt like going to a borders bookstore back in the 90s in the music section and just sampling like the soul jazz and the the singer songwriter and it 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 was just very eclectic so i i I love that feeling of walking through a record store absolutely i i mean i know this is a D podcast but another hobby of mine and maybe it's one you share because you're a musician is is vinyl record collecting and such a millennial hipster thing to do at this day and age. But, uh, it's like, uh, Barnes and Noble or borders. They don't really have CDs. You can sit there and listen to mm-hmm. but they sell vinyl. Yep. And I'm like, I like the idea of vinyl, but it is kind of like depressing that you can't, uh, just pull it out and like put it on a, a turntable and see what you're spinning, you know, before you buy it. Yeah. So. It, it, it's kind of a pain. It's, I don't collect a lot of vinyl. I do like a few times a year I will like nerd out and and put on some vinyl and just sit and enjoy and let it wash over me. 
But if if you're looking for that kind of experience on your phone, check out the Bandcamp app. It's really cool. There's all these indie artists putting out um, great music, and the sound quality is great. But again, we're getting away from D and D. But try it out; it's fun. Yeah. So, uh, Jeff, what I know you haven't played a lot of D and D. So, I guess what is I know what your history is with the game, or at least I think I do. Yeah. But could you tell the listener kind of what your history is with the game exactly? The deepest I ever went was that Hero Quest that came out. Do you remember that? It came with a VHS tape. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's not. I don't think it's called Hero Quest because it's in my living room. You gave it to me. Is it? It's uh, yeah. <laughs> but I I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Had a VHS tape. It's babies. And I think it was. And I think it was made by TSR, which is the original publishers of uh, Dungeons yes. Dragons. So it is. Babies first, D and D, very simple. Uh, so a layman like myself can get into it because I mentioned this on the last episode, but I'm all for fantasy. Like I'm like PC role playing games and video games. I'm all about it. You know, uh, your Might and Magics, your Morrowinds, your you know the whole Elder Scrolls series, um, Final Fantasy. Love that. Some JRPG action. But I've never gotten into creating the story yourself as you go. And that's that's fascinating to me. And it's something um, I'd like to do more of. Yeah, so we... But we actually play a campaign, or doing a campaign together yes. right now. Mm-hmm. Um, which is... Uh, we call it... I call it the Temps, where you guys are basically interviewing for a a temp agency to become part-time or contract uh, adventurers for feature quests later on. It's a fun mix. And you had, go ahead. Oh no. And you had, you had two characters cause we were doing, we're starting real low level. We're doing kind of a dungeon crawl classic style where you have a few different characters you play and whoever winds up, alive at the end of it is going to be probably the person you end up playing in the future. Yeah. Um, I think one of them died though, right? Yes. One of my characters, like with the two characters, I I tried to play one of them sort of safe, savvy. Uh, She's an older working woman with a, with a past, with a a dark past. She's a, she was a bandit in her like twenties and now she's trying to clean things up and join this company. And she's sort of playing the game. Sometimes she falls back into her old habits. But she's a little savvier and she knows how to survive. The other character was sort of young and naive and trying to make a name for himself. And, um, you know, I pushed him kind of hard and he is dead now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he he wound up he wound up getting his arm ripped off. Yes. Um, his gr- I think he got his face got burned, maybe. He sort of wound up, in my mind, it was like, did you ever see the Phantom of the Opera with uh, Robert Englund? It was like the horror version of Phantom of the Opera. Did you ever see uh, that? I never saw it. I remember the VHS cover because yeah. that's, how, that's how old we are is VHSs was a thing. Remember that? I remember. remember videotapes? Yeah, yeah I, I that's what I remember- pictured his face, like melted like that. And his girlfriend was eaten by a bugbear, by the way. So that was tragic as well. (laughs) 
Oh yeah, I was thinking you were talking about Robert Robert England, but then I realized right. you're talking about uh, sorry, uh, your character. Yes, and just for the I guess for the listeners, Robert England, he was the original Freddy Krueger, isn't he? There you go, he was Freddy. Or was there was there ever another Freddy Krueger? Yeah, think- the the dude he played Rorschach in the in the in the Watchmen film. He played Freddy Krueger in a reboot. Yeah. What's his name? Crudup. No. Crap. No, that's... Crudup was the guy who was naked the whole time. Naked. Okay. Not uh, naked. That was Dr. Doctor Manhattan. Roar. Crudup. He was in the Bad News Bears as well as a kid. Yes, very good. Very good. Watchmen movie. I'm so sorry to be typing. We that's fine. I think it was out. in Shutter Island. Shutter Island as well. I can think of all the movies he's in. I can't think of his name though. Jackie Earl Haley. Yeah. I believe he played Freddy Krueger at some point. Okay. Isn't that neat, listener? <laughs> A little bit of trivia. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So uh, now you're kind of getting your feet wet in D and D. Is it? I guess. I guess. And now you've actually played it with real dice. So yeah. I asked Trevor this because he's he's played a, he's played it more than you. But you know we played a lot of digital games. So what's what's your take? Do you like real dice or do you prefer to roll the digital ones? I really enjoy. Or are you indifferent? I love the real dice. It it's got this like at least the dice you sent me has sort of a jade greenish kind of like it. it it's like it was unearthed. Like a miner found it and and like carved it into dice. It's really cool looking. I like the tactile feel. Um, cool. Yeah, it's fun. So what made you, I guess, what, I guess you said you've always kind of been into fantasy in terms mm-hmm. of uh, PC games. Yep. Um, but what, what do you think kept you away from, you know, the the paper and pencil or paper and pen for so long or in this or in this case the computer <laughs> screen i don't know probably the effort like i think i just oh man i can turn on the computer and be engrossed in morrowind like that's that's pretty cool i think it's just laziness like oh somebody else already programmed this whole experience but now na- like it it, it it playing D returns you to this childlike place where you're inventing the lore and the actions and it's it it i i feel that it's a muscle that needs to be flexed continuously to like get a good story out of each each play so i think it's just laziness (laughs) yeah i feel like uh trevor and i kind of touched on that too it's sort of that i guess in a talking in a different context or in a different conversation that it lets you be a use yeah like flex a an imaginative muscle mm-hmm. that you know when you get to a certain age in life maybe isn't as encouraged yes to use you know unless you're you know working in hollywood or something in los angeles but you know being from the midwest you know you you grow up turn 18 and go to either go to college or you work in a factory yeah but, right you know after you get out of college you might still work in a factory or you get a job, you know, doing something who knows. Yep. So exactly. And the imagination is so stifled I, in the process. Yeah. 
And I would, I think, you know, we're both people who work in creative fields. I mean, you yep. said you do marketing, you do like public relations, you got to write and stuff. But, and I work as a newspaper reporter, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, I'm not telling my story. So it's sort of, exactly. it's kind of nice to just be pretend, play make-believe once in a while. Exactly. And that's, I, that's why this podcast is so cool because you can tell you can tell a creative story and tell your story in the process and have other people on to tell theirs it's an interesting interesting mix to go from playing the game to the follow-up interview that's that's a cool format yeah so jeff um i know we've talked a little bit about your podcast yes. uh in the previous episode but you're also a pretty accomplished or well you're you're in a music you're a musician you've been in some bands you've mm-hmm. uh performed uh with some some people you know uh-huh. that um have gone on to to do big things yeah. in the music world um so you want to tell us a little bit about your your music you know i sure. i know it's always so well i like to tell people i don't know if this is corny now it probably is, but it, my musical journey begins with repeated van rides with my mom playing the Big Chill soundtrack on cassette just over and over. So it was like mainlining Motown over and over and over, like these same Motown songs. And I, I think it made an impression, um, you know, I, because... I started uh, playing saxophone in that style uh, in fifth grade, I think. I started playing saxophone. And then later on in college, sort of a late bloomer as a vocalist, but I started singing in front of people in college in in my early 20s. Um, And from there, you know, I performed in college bars and... Uh, theaters and uh, did uh, performed on cruise ships for a while um, but yeah it's been like a 15 year run of, of music I am I think I mentioned this on the last episode sort of semi in semi retirement right now I haven't performed in a while but uh, the podcast I do with my wife does give some opportunities to create music for the podcast at the very least so I'm flexing that muscle in that way as someone who is, you know, been, I guess you would, you could say you're a professional musician for a while. You made yeah. money doing well, it. 15 years. Um, yeah. How would you, uh, how big a role would you say like music plays and say like a, like a PC fantasy role playing game or even like a D and D do you find that music adds to the experience or do you think it kind of takes away from the fun? How do I guess, where do you stand in terms of a good soundtrack for these sorts of things. I think it's essential. I think it's, you know, maybe it's, it's, I don't know if, if some of the music you hear in role-playing games is cliche or expected, but I, I think among, among hardcore fans, like for instance, the soundtrack to Elder Scrolls Morrowind is like legendary. Like it's just, it, like people love that soundtrack. It just puts you in the moment, puts you in this uh, 
fantastical world. Um, so yeah, I think it's I think it's very important. Now, cool. Back in the day, on like an Apple II, you just had the computer speaker, the PC speaker. <laughs> So there was no music, but nowadays, I think it's very important. I mean, even not fantasy. I mean, what, what, what do you think of? What are some of your? I guess what are some of your favorite soundtracks? You know, it doesn't have to be a video game. It could be a video game. Um, it could be a, a fantasy role playing game. It could be the music we just listened to, or it could be anything. It could be a movie. It could be Streets of Rage too, which I know is a favorite of yours. But. That's. Oh. The entire Streets of Rage series, one, two, and three, to hear it evolve, like, it was the hippest video game soundtrack I've ever heard. It was like like dance music from the inner city. Somehow these people in Japan were aware of it and sort of did their own take on it. And I, I loved it. each, Especially um, Streets of Rage 2. Yeah. We've talked about that. <laughs> what are some of your other favorite soundtracks? Could be it for anything. For anything, it doesn't have to be. Um, yeah. The film Sideways has this kind of kitschy, borderline corny jazz soundtrack that is just, it makes you want to hang out with these people. It makes you want to hang out with Paul Giamatti and have some wine. Um, that's a lot of fun. Great soundtracks. Uh, Tom Petty did this did the music for a movie called She's the One. Like nobody remembers the movie, but on that soundtrack is the song Walls. I think everybody knows the song Walls by Tom Petty. Look it up. It's it's a classic. That's great. Uh, the music from Doom just rocks so hard. Just like it's like hard. It's like metal on like MIDI instruments, and it just rocks. That's I love that. It's great music to shoot demons cool. to. <laughs> I uh, I like um. I know my girlfriend doesn't like it, but Akira the Akira soundtrack. I don't know if you ever seen that movie. Yeah. And it has like these weird, weird Japanese drum tracks mm-hmm. that just I really like. And then um, I don't know about the whole soundtrack, but like Conan the Barbarian, oh. I really love the. Uh, <clears throat> I love some of the music on that. Riddle of Steel, then, man. Riddle of Steel. And then uh, a soundtrack that is probably more famous than the movie is uh, Koyana Quatsi, which Philip Glass did composed for. Oh, beautiful. And they use they use his music in like all sorts of the music from that movie and all sorts of other movies, like Watchmen. Like you said, they used uh, some of that. I don't know. Have you heard that one before? I don't know that I have, but I'm a fan of Philip Glass. Um, what is it? Music from the room upstairs, something like that. Like, if you want to talk about somebody influential, like his minimalist style, people took that and ran with it. Like you can hear his influence everywhere. It's great. Yeah. Well, like that movie is like this weird. I don't know. I don't know if you call it a documentary. It's like a art film slash documentary, mm-hmm. and it's pretty. It's not mainstream in the least bit, but that soundtrack, it's like they've used that music everywhere. And it's yeah. uh, very, I, I, I really like it. Like I could, I used to wake up and put it on in the morning and get my day going because it was very, uh, 
I, I don't know. It's not like amped up music. It's just kind of interesting, I guess, to say the least. So I agree. It sets a mood in the upper room is what I was trying to say. Not the room upstairs. In the upper room, Philip Glass. And then I really like Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. Uh, oh, yeah. You have you have Sue George, who is a samba. It's like Brazilian samba musician mm-hmm. doing David Bowie covers, which is acoustic David Bowie covers in Portuguese, which yeah. I really, I really dig. So that was another favorite of mine. Yeah, that's super fun. And the, the credits roll on the guy. He's performing Queen Bitch. And he, he like, doesn't he finish the whole song? By the time the credits I think end, so. it's he, great. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. He just plays David. His whole job in that whole movie is just play David Bowie songs. Can't miss. And he, Can't miss with those. Nope. And that guy is, I don't know, he's in one of my favorite uh, foreign language films, which is City of God, which is about a favela in uh, Brazil. Which, he plays a, have you seen that movie? I've never seen oh. it. I've never seen it. Oh, all right. Well, I got to check it out. If you ever, if you ever do a cruel to be wine, then you're looking for a, a guest recommendation. I would recommend that movie. Hey, it's pretty good. We do listener picks, so yes, we can do that. Yeah, it's pretty intense, tense movie. It's like a crime movie, you know. So if you like that, so cool, man. Jeff, do you have your dice still next to you? I do. All right. So we, I like to kind of. At some point in the show, and I say I'd like to, this is only the fourth episode, mm-hmm. uh, do kind of like random questions where you would roll your dice, and then I look at this chart or whatever oh, cool. that I have in front of me, All right. and then that will be the question that we, we answer. So can you go ahead and roll your uh, your D20 for me, please? Yes, of course. Here we go. 19. Okay, 19. Uh, what do you buy way more than most people? Oh my gosh, what do I buy way more than most people? Um, antiquated uh, electrical, there's a better way to say that. Antiquated electronics, I guarantee. Um, I purchased a big stack of mini discs not too long ago. And I'm in the market for a old school tape and CD deck. That's my answer. Just, what's, just old electronics. <laughs> what's what's the appeal there? Like, what what makes you so interested in that stuff? I don't know. I'm fascinated by media that didn't quite make it, but that has merit. So, like, hmm. you know, a top loading. VHS player or mini disc or you know I someday I might even be interested in having a laser disc player in our home stuff like that do you uh, do you use it or do you just does it just pile up in like a closet somewhere that's the issue it tends to pile up in a closet <laughs> Angie loves it what like do you where do you look for this stuff are you like seeking it out are you like on ebay or going to thrift stores i guess how are you finding this stuff it's mostly ebay reverb which is you know the the marketplace for musical instruments and and musical equipment um and yes if we pass 
like if we pass a thrift store in Chicago, I'll check it out for sure. Do you have like a gem, like a, something you found and you're like this, like one you prize, something you prize more than others? Yeah, I, I do have this. It might be right here in this desk, this mini disc player. It was like top of the line in 2005. Hang on. It's the Sony HiMD Walkman. I'm showing it to Jared. I know you can't see it, dear listener, but (laughs) it just like flips open. It's really like satisfying to flip open physical media like that. Let me see if I can get the audio here. There you go. So it was like, ooh, CD quality recording in 2004, 2005. Whoa, crazy. Cool. All right, go ahead and roll your dice again. Seven. Lucky seven. All right. Uh, so this might be hard for you because you haven't played a lot of D&D, but what battle in a campaign has been the most memorable uh, to, for you or your character that you've played in the past? So you're right. I haven't played a whole lot of D&D. But for, for whatever reason, uh, Elder Scrolls Daggerfall is coming to mind. <laughs> that, that game would scare the crap out of me because the dungeons were so atmospheric and it would be like dead quiet. And then you'd hear in if you were wearing headphones, you'd hear like like some cackling like hag monster in your right ear. And then you'd you'd turn to attack and you're swinging with your mouse to hit this like horrible hag monster. But it's like you, you you're not guaranteed to hit them each time. It's like based on chance. It's like real real time rolling of the dice. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're you're walking through this dungeon. You can get murdered at any moment, and you can't hit the thing that's killing you. <laughs> that's the best answer I have. <laughs> that I have some memories of that game, but my memories are of the game are like the overly detailed like character creation system, and I just remember it taking forever to like make a character because you had to so deep. Yeah. And also that there was, like, nudity in the game. It was, like, weird. You could, like, strip your character down that, to being naked. That was strange. Yeah, there were temples to various gods, and you walk into these temples, and there's just un- there's just nude women standing around. Like, it's like, it's like paint, um, Microsoft paint drawings of naked women. But, yeah, they're there. <laughs> yeah. And that that first dungeon or whatever that you just start in, I remember it being hard to just get out of it. I'm just like, how do I? I just want to get go to a town, and I'm just like stuck running around in my underwear with a torch, that's trying what, to figure out how to get out. That's what I'm talking about. And there's a, there's a rat. There's like a, a pre-rendered, um, like you know, Donkey Kong Country was pre-rendered graphics. Mm-hmm. So you got this pre-rendered rat with red eyes, like kicking the crap out of you, and you swinging your sword and you can't hit it because you you felt defenseless until later in the game and your skills are built up but 
Yeah. Great game. That's that's the best role playing game I've played for feeling like you're in an expansive open world. Like that's the biggest world I can remember. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'd always get killed because i'd always try to do something illegal in the game like just to see if i could push the boundaries of course it was kind of like it's kind of to me like grand theft auto yep. before grand theft auto and and like a fantasy world because you could just you could there was a quest or there was a story kind of that you could follow but you could also just run around and like rob people yep. and commit petty crimes absolutely which i remember kind of blowing my mind and it still kind of blows my mind thinking about that it was just like a game on a CD-ROM back in the day. I know, yeah, and it was like a George Lucas-sized universe. But yeah, anytime you push the boundaries, the guards come after you. Halt! 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 Mm-hmm. They kick the crap out of you. There was a there was a Might Magic game. I feel like it was Might Magic Four. Oh, I love Might Magic. And that you could also just run around and commit crimes, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I would always just get arrested. The best. I probably liked Heroes of Might and Magic more because that was like I think turn-based role-playing. Yes. Or like, and that one was like a little bit. I I I'm I was like just so young. I just remember being overwhelmed by the the big huge world at the time when I would play those games. They created a unique world. It was kind of goofy. Like it was it was part sci-fi, part fantasy, part like. I don't know, not Tim Burton, but it was kind of goofy. Some of the some of the characters, the character design. Mm-hmm. It was a unique world, but yeah, I love the Might and Magic games. All right, go ahead and roll again, All Jeff. Right. Here we go. Eight. Eight. All right. So. Uh, so. Once again, this might be kind of hard for you to answer, but what stereotypical group role does, uh, I guess, your character that you are playing in, I guess it would be our campaign currently, in the party. So do you, does Lady Sneaksworth play any, because she's the only one that's living, does she play any sort of stereotypical role that you can think of? Well, she is a former bandit. That's part of her backstory. And I was I was actually thinking about this today, prepping for the episode um whenever i'm placed in an open world fantasy setting i always go towards thievery like i'm always sneaking around and like picking the wizard's pocket and stealing the king's gold which is strange like i'm not an assassin i'm not a warrior not a wizard i'm always going towards thievery (laughs) and these like in Morrowind, for example, I'm a, I, I was a thief and um, I don't know. I think it's about access. I think I just like having access. So that that comes out when I play these games where you can set the rules. Cool. Uh, what is it about being a rogue? You said it, it's access. Like, is that access? Does that play into the rogue? Yeah. Like, thing? or you just or did you always want to steal something and never had the courage to? <laughs> To do it, or because I don't, I don't want to steal in real life. I don't want to. If somebody's working hard for a certain lifestyle, I don't want to take them down a peg or two and steal from them. But there is something cool about sneaking past guards. You know, getting into the king's inner sanctum. I think it's about access. 
like like at the airport for example uh you know tsa pre where you can bypass the main security line and like keep your shoes on and stuff that's really cool to me (laughs) that's that's like Mm -hmm. a low level of access (laughs) it's but in a role-playing scenario i can ramp that up by you know a thousand percent and like sneak past the guards get the magic chalice i've won the game because i'm so sneaky cool is there uh is there any other games role-playing games maybe daggerfall or uh i don't know morrowind or something where you played a, a rogue or morrowind for sure i was a wood elf thief but that, but you play those games long enough that you get good at everything, and you're like a godlike character. Like I'm casting spells, I'm killing things with one blow. It's, but yeah, it's um, definitely Morrowind. Everything else, every other role playing game I play is like you know Final Fantasy or Chrono Trigger. Like it's all predetermined the characters, but Morrowind for sure. Cool. Are these do you play like new Final Fantasy or do you are you talking about like Final Fantasy four or three or something for like Super Nintendo? Yeah, I'm talking about Final Fantasy three for Super Nintendo, Chrono Trigger. I don't play a lot of video games anymore, but back in the day that's that was my bread and butter. For sure. So since you um do a movie podcast, yes. are there any movie recommendations like fantasy or even sci-fi movie recommendations that you would recommend to like the listener or something like that movie recommendations i feel like the movies we watch are mostly pretty mainstream we just did an episode on willow directed by ron howard and uh you know the story was by george lucas that's probably the highest fantasy we've done so far. And I enjoyed it. Angie didn't care for it. We were sort of split on that one. But um, amazing special effects. Revisit that one just to enjoy like the trolls and the dragon. It's pretty advanced for 1988. Like the, the green screen effects and the, and the, the monsters. So... Everybody knows that movie, but but check it out if you haven't seen it in a while. I think what's kind of interesting about that movie, and I could be wrong, but I think George Lucas wanted to do The Hobbit and could not get the rights to it. Yep. So he was just like, screw it. I'm going to do my own version of this movie. Granted, his version was like, there's like a baby. The baby, I don't know, maybe it was the one ring to rule them all or something like that, but... Um, yeah, but it's it's got little little people in it who are supposed to be hobbits, I guess you know. So yeah, and he he introduced these little people. They're called Nelwins. I suppose Nelwins are the hobbits of this universe. But then he introduces even littler people. These tiny little mischievous characters called brownies. So it's like. How little, like, are there just infinitely little creatures in this universe? What are you trying to do, George Lucas? It's, hmm. it does feel 
derivative. I hate that word, but yeah, it does feel kind of copycat-ish. Yeah, I haven't seen it in forever. I just remember reading that like piece of trivia, it being like him wanting to do The Hobbit. I could see that. And couldn't. You, you, you can feel that um, when you watch it. There's something, I feel like, I don't know. There's some of those fantasy movies in the 80s. They just, they're, they feel fun to me. Mm-hmm. Like, f- more fun than some of that fantasy stuff that comes out today. You know, you had like, I don't know. Would you consider like Time Bandits a fantasy movie? Or is that like sci-fi? Or I mean, it's kind of in that um, that realm, I feel like. And that was like a really fun movie. I don't even know if that's 1980s. I'm just assuming it, it is. It is 1980s. But... I've actually never seen it. And I should watch it for the podcast. But there, there is a sort of a there's a trope that you don't see anymore of this adventurer who's always having a blast and making quips, no matter how dire the circumstances are. Yeah, like um, Val Kilmer as Mad Mardigan and Willow plays that part. Like it, like there's a dragon behind him, and he's like. He's got quips. He's he's. You never feel like he recognizes how dangerous the situation is. If that makes sense. Yeah, is that something you would prefer? Like, if you're playing a fantasy game or watching a fantasy movie or reading a book, do you prefer like a like a lighthearted? Like the characters have more lighthearted approach to the danger, or do you think it should all be doom and gloom the whole time? I think it can be done. I, I, but I do feel like in the 80s and 90s, it was like a, a, a really overdone trope. But I feel like it could be brought back today with some with some care, with some tact. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Another another 80s fantasy movie with a baby being the cle- a, a, a central part of the plot was, was it Labyrinth with David Bowie? Just to go Fantastic. back to David Bowie. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful, and I, I think David Bowie's name is Jared in that as well. Maybe it's Jarrett. I don't know. I think it's Jareth. Oh, okay. But God, the songs in that are incredible. That's the first movie I ever saw in the theater. Number one. Oh, really? Yeah. So David That's Bowie cool. for life. Did you see that with your mom or your dad, or I think who did you see it with? Dad, yeah. And Matt. That's cool. Older bro. Nice. Big bro. Cool. Uh, well, Jeff, that's probably that's probably coming close to our time. Cool. Um, what is, I guess, before I let you go, um, I guess, is there anything you want to leave be, or let the listener know about you, your podcast, where they can find you? Um, any recommendations you might have for something? I mean, I... This is gross. I will recommend my podcast if you, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you, listener, like the market's flooded with movie podcasts. It's white noise at this point, but I think, I think ours is unique in the way that we share personal stories related to each movie, personal memories. You know, the name of the show is cruel to rewind. Sometimes there's embarrassing memories associated with a movie. We share them. Um, 
I hope that it's more personal. It's not just us, you know, looking sideways at a movie and riffing and, and making fun. There's there's some heart to it. And the sound design is is kind of fun. So come on over, check us out. And um, as far as recommendations. Um, recommendations. This podcast for sure. <laughs> Uh, and play uh, play Elder Scrolls Daggerfall on an emulator. <laughs> I feel like this t- I, I, this is pretty much an advertisement for a game that's like 27 years old or I don't know how old that game it's, is. It's probably it's over t- over 20 though. It's Bethesda propaganda at this point. It's yeah. They're they're gonna make some money off. Forget <laughs> forget forget Skyrim or whatever they're playing forget nowadays. It. You want those, those mine? I so I okay. So this is uh, my son loves Minecraft, mm-hmm. and I'm and he's like, why don't you, Jared? Why don't you love Minecraft? And I was like, because I don't want to play a game that looks like I don't want to play a brand new game, not brand new, but new newer game that looks like it was made when I was your age, like when I was an eleven year old. That's a good point. Because, and I and I was like showing him Daggerfall. And I was like, I don't want to play Minecraft because it looks exactly like this. Like, it's all pixelated and gross. And he's like, Even look at though, these graphics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we started looking at Daggerfall, and I was like, actually, Minecraft still looked better it than it. But it didn't look it didn't look much better. It's Minecraft is so crisp and fluid, even though it's pixely. But my nephew loves it, and I get the appeal. We're, they're building worlds in real time. It's It's incredible. But I get it. We you want you want the latest graphics. <laughs> I I just I don't know, I just want to know what I'm looking at. Like I want to know what <laughs> right. I'm swinging at. That that was like in Minecraft I you'd be you said you were fighting a rat and the only way I knew I was fighting a rat is cuz it made rat noises. It didn't look like a rat. It just looked like a blob. Yes. So it looked like a brown amorphous blob, but it made squeak sounds. Yeah. I get it. E- I I would think I was like talking to a merchant, and the only reason I knew that is because they had like an inventory. Like it was, I didn't know what I was doing half the time. I know we talk about the nudity, but it took some serious examination to tell that that's what you're looking at. <laughs> yeah, pixelated nudity. If anything, check that out. Yes, for that reason. That's my recommendation. <laughs> is Elder Scrolls Daggerfall. Oh boy! But this was. A, I feel like we were looking. Go ahead. Oh, oh no! I feel like I looked at some other videos of other games from way back then, for nostalgia's sake, and I was like, "God, this is so barbaric." These look I was like, like crap. It's like, it's like uh, Jedi Knight Two, Dark or Jedi Knight Dark Forces Two. Oh yeah. I really, I really loved that game as a kid, and now I'm like, oh, this is doesn't look great that was my that was my window into online gaming and rage quitting and cheating (laughs) that that's the first like i would try to play that online on our you know 27 whatever kilobaud modem oh my god yeah dial up yeah it did not go well i love i loved that game i played it so much my online my entry to online gaming was just diablo 2 more than anything trying to play it on 56k yep and 
my mom being like, hey, I got to make a phone call. And I'm like, mom, I'm in the middle of a quest. I can't. I'm about to kill the the monster. I don't know what it was, the boss or something. Demon Lord Beelzebub or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And since we were we were like a one phone line household, yep. I had to get off so she could, uh, I don't know, call her, insur- call her car insurance or whatever. Those were the days. The dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> the dark ages. The dark. That's super fun. This podcast is brought to you by the AARP. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Because that's... Brought to you by Bethesda and whoever makes Diablo. I don't remember. Blizzard. <laughs> yeah. The fourth one is supposedly coming out some someday. Cool. But I haven't played the third one yet, so... Me neither. I, I actually have it. That's not true. I've played it twice. We have it. I have it on Switch. But it's not my Switch, so Javi usually wants to just play Smash Brothers. Oh, sure. And so I've I've only gotten to play Diablo three twice. That's cool. But I've played Streets of Rage four. I beat that. Nice. That was fun. That I would give that a try. I anytime I try to play, like I'm talking a good game about these ancient games from the '90s. But if I try to play a video game now, I like. It's so relaxing to me now that I like start nodding off like an old man. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Tetris Attack. <laughs> like if I'm playing an emulator or something. Oh. Yeah, I I feel like uh, I always would say, well, I don't play video games now because they're expensive. They're, they are. They take a lot of up a lot of my. They take up a lot of my time that I can use to pursue other hobbies mm-hmm. i'm like each game is like 70 bucks and then meanwhile i'm like playing D D now and every time you buy one of these books they're 50 dollars. so i'm not really i just trade so it's like i traded one thing in for another and then when i play board games you know board games are 50 to 100 dollars, and you maybe play those less than a, a video game right so it's like but at least you got the craftsmanship so i'm not yeah but i'm not saving money right I'd probably, my money would probably be better saved if I just played video games. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Costs a lot to live in but the fantasy world. Sure does. Rent ain't cheap. <laughs> no. Oh, man. This was a blast, though. Cool. Well, thank you for uh, doing it. Uh, I'll probably have you back on one of these days. And sure, man. See where the, see what happens to this character along the way. See where Maybe he'll be alive or maybe... Maybe he'll be dead. <laughs> will that murder, will that friar murder come back to haunt him? I don't know. We'll see. Maybe. Years later. Yeah. Never know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cool, Jeff. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much, Jared.